0: This is LAC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Uh, I have been tasked this morning, as Pastor mentioned last week, uh, he did a great job last week of kicking off the series that we're preaching here throughout the summer over the next several weeks of Countercultural. How many of you were here last week and were able to hear part one of that series? Awesome, awesome, awesome! As Pastor mentioned last week, this is probably one of the uh, most important series that we'll probably preach at least this year. And the reason why is because if you can fully understand the words that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter five through through seven, one of the biggest portions of Scripture that actually records the words of Jesus. And if you have a Bible that has the red letters in it, you can see almost every passage, every verse of this this these three chapters. Uh, are the words of Jesus. And if you can understand these words, and if you can comprehend and, and, and be able to apply these words to your own life, you can truly be the person that God has called you to be, the Christian that God has called you to be, and help us to be the church that God has called us to be. Especially in the time and, the, and that we find ourselves, it's important for the church to stand up and to be countercultural. If you believe that, say amen. If you missed uh, this, the kickoff to the series last week. You can go ahead and check out our church Facebook page or look it up on YouTube. The series is, or the, the lesson last week was titled "Lucky Are the Unlucky," and it talked about, a Pastor talked about chapter five, verses one to twelve, the Beatitudes and the blessings and things like that. If you didn't get a chance, go ahead and go back and look that up. This week we're actually going to pick up right at the very next verse, so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter five and verses thirteen to sixteen. Uh, In the first 12 verses of this, Jesus is giving direct statements about blessing and how you can be blessed and those who are blessed, poor in spirit, the humble, the meek. And now in these verses, he kind of shifts a little bit. In verses 13 to 16 here, where we're going to talk about this morning, he talks about how we can live those blessings out in our lives. So if you would, just please stand as we read God's word here this morning. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't have that passage or if you don't have that Bible, you can go ahead and read from yours, but I have the New Living Translation there on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, remember right off the heels of the blessings, this is what Jesus says. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is it if salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, verse 14, he says, "Light like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and p- then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16. Verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This morning, I want to talk on the type, the topic, uh, be a difference maker. So I'm just going to pray, if you'd please remain standing. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day, Lord God. Thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to be able to share your word here for the congregation this morning, Lord God. And as I said at the beginning of the, of, the, of the service, I just pray, Lord God, that this word would penetrate even the hardest of hearts here this morning, Lord God. I pray that we can all learn something from this scripture, Lord God. I pray that you would spill everything out of me that doesn't belong, Lord God, and fill me with your spirit. Allow the words that I say be the words that you have for us as a congregation, as Christians, as people in this very moment and in this time. We just praise you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated, and as you're being seated, give somebody a high five and say, be a difference maker. Be a difference maker. There you go. A teacher in New York decided to honor each of her high school seniors for the differences that they had made in her life. Then she presented each of them with a blue ribbon and printed with gold letters which read, who I am makes a difference. Afterwards, the teacher gave each of the students three more ribbons to acknowledge others in their lives to see what impact it would have on their community. They were to follow up on the results, see who honored whom, and report back to the class the following week. One of the students honored a junior executive in a nearby company for helping him with his career planning. The student gave him a blue ribbon and put it on his shirt just over his heart. Then the boy gave him two extra ribbons and explained the class project and acknowledged, it is now your responsibility to pass these two ribbons on to somebody who has made an impact in your life. Later, that junior executive went to his boss and he told him that he deeply admired him for being a creative genius. The junior executive asked him if he would accept the gift of the blue ribbon and he would give him permission to put it on him. His surprised boss said, well, sure. Some bosses probably wonder if they're actually making a difference, and he's probably like, wow, sure, yeah, you could do that. After placing the ribbon over above his boss's heart, he asked him to support the efforts of the class project and to pass on the last ribbon. That night, the boss went home to his 14-year-old son and sat him down. He said, the most incredible thing happened to me today. I was in my office, and one of my junior executives came in and told me he admired me, and gave me this blue ribbon for being a creative genius. Imagine. He thinks I'm a creative genius. Then he, put his blue rib- then, then he put on this blue ribbon that says, who I am makes a difference on my jacket above my heart. Next, he gave me an extra ribbon and asked me to find somebody else to honor. Somebody else who has made a difference in my life. The junior executive says as I, to his son, as I was driving home tonight, I started thinking about whom I would honor with this ribbon. And I thought about you son. I want to honor you. My days are really hectic. And when I come home I don't pay enough attention to you. Sometimes I scream at you for not getting good grades in school. Or for you, your bedroom being a mess. But somehow tonight. I wanted to just sit here and well just let you know. That you make a difference in my life. Besides your mother. You're the most important person to me. You're a great kid. And I love you. The startled boy started to sob and sob and sob, and he could not stop crying. His whole body shook. He walked over to the drawer, pulled out a gun, stared at his father, and through his tears said, Dad, tomorrow I was planning on committing suicide. I didn't think I would make a difference in anybody's life in this world, but I've decided to change my mind because you came home and you told me that I have made a difference in your life. Your love makes a difference. And the boy changed his mind. And then he carried on the tradition of passing on the ribbon. We are all made to make a difference. We need to be a difference maker. And one of the most common questions that people ask themselves, and maybe you've asked yourself, or maybe you haven't asked yourself, but this is a question that I ask myself quite often is, how can I make a difference With my life, or how am I making a difference with my life? And if you're anything like me, you find yourself awake at night, many nights asking, God, what am I doing? And how am I truly making a difference in the lives of the students at Lake Erie Church? How am I making a difference with the people that I interact with on a daily basis, Lord? The people who I go to church with, Lord, how am I making a difference? How am I making an impact on the kingdom of God? How many of you have asked yourselves that question? Lord, how am I truly making a difference? And when you try to think of the answer, at least when I do, I think of the great things that people in history have done to make a difference. For example, you have Martin Luther King, and I think we have pictures on there Martin Luther King Jr., you know the difference that he made regarding racism and equal rights. And then you have Mother Teresa, who just made a tremendous uh, difference in, in the lives of, of, of many kids by just loving people, loving kids. And then you have Gandhi, who made a difference with peaceful protest. And then you have my man, Fred Rogers. How many of you guys know who Fred Rogers is, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, You probably whistled the tune, who made a difference in many people's lives just by simply being on TV and communicating a positive message? And then you have my man George Feeney. How many of you know who George Feeney is? All right, if you don't like George Feeney, you can get out. George Feeney has done a tremendous, man, it was such a great show, Boy Meets World, and I've watched it over time and time again, and I just think, man, what a great difference George Feeney was and how much of a difference and an impact he had on the lives of those whom he was educating. And when you look at these people, and when I look at these people, I tend to compare myself and think, man, that there's no possible way I'm making as much of a difference in this world as Martin Luther King did or that Gandhi did or George Feeney or Fred Rogers did. And and, and maybe you, you do the same and you're just comparing yourselves to others. But let me just tell you something that has helped me get through this. We are all called to make a difference in our own unique way. Let me just say that one more time. You are all called, we are all called to make a difference in our own unique way. You are called to make a difference in your own unique way. Yeah, you may not be on a platform to be able to make the difference that the great people in history have made, but God has called you to make a difference in your family, God has called you to make a difference in your community, in this church, and in this world. Listen, when I was growing up, Pastor Carson, the name of our youth group was World Changers. Still is the name of the youth group in Kanihan. World Changers. And the reason why he chose that name is because even students as young as 12, even students who Pastor Naomi's ministering to back there in the back are called to make a difference. You want me to tell you how important it is that we realize the the difference that we make? We may not be called to do the great thing, but we're called to be faithful in the little things. This past week, Lacey taught me this lesson. My little Lacey, I wish I had a picture up there. She wanted to be in here for this because she wanted to talk to you. I was like, Lacey, you have to be in church. This past week, we were at camp meeting, and we had the wonderful pleasure of being down at camp meeting. And The awesome thing about camp meeting is they have church in the morning, church in the evening, but they also provide an opportunity for our kids to be able to be ministered to. And every night after the camp meeting services, we'd drive back to the hotel and we'd ask Lacey and we'd ask Nora, what would you guys learn today? And a lot of times when we ask that question, it's probably left without, you know, they just tell you the general things. But on Thursday night, Lacey told us something that we didn't even have to ask her what she learned. She told us that the pastor told her that he died four times. And we're like, what in the world is that guy talking about? They need to, they need to reconsider who they bring on to, to, to preach to the kids at camp meeting. Yeah, he died four times. Well, apparently, the pastor who was ministering to the kids, he said that while he was growing up, I think it was like seven or eight, he was in the hospital, and there was, there was a condition that he had with his heart where he officially had died at least four times with his heart, but they were able to resuscitate him and bring him back to life. And we're like, oh, that's, that's crazy. That's weird, you know? I mean, how many of you have ever died before? You have. Wow. We'll tell. You should be preaching this sermon, Matt, not me. But die, he was died, he died and was brought back to life. And so we move on, everything, and I found out, we were getting ready to go order some food. I found out that I lost my wallet. And we're down in Columbus, and I had no idea where my wallet was. We actually went into the Canes drive-thru, ordered food, opened up the thing where my wallet was, and it was not there. We're freaking out. Everybody's spazzing. Lacey's thinking that the, the, somebody broke into our car and, and stole the wallet. She's freaking out. Katie's upset trying to think about, we're all just freaking out. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all the chaos, Lacey said this, this small thing that she said that made a difference. She said this, if God can bring somebody back to life four times, God can help us find our wallet. If God can bring somebody back to life four times... That man got brought back to life four times. God can, I feel like that, I could just say amen, preach, pick up the offer, we'll be done. If God can bring somebody back to life four times, God can help us find our wallet. She then proceeded to say, if God can take mud and put it on a man's eyes and make it so he's not blind anymore, God can help us find our wallet. I don't know if I need to share this, this Is my notes aside, listen, the little things that you do, the little things that you say, the little truths that you you tell people can truly make a difference. I'm not even gonna lie, it completely shifted the entire mood of our car. A seven year old telling me that. And if a seven year old can make that difference, Sister Shelley, what difference can we make? If a seven-year-old can make that difference in reminding us of the faithfulness of God, if God can raise a man to life four times, he can help you do whatever it is that you're struggling with. If God can take a man who is blind, put mud on his eyes, and make it so that he can see again, what what do you have that can stand against God? Sometimes in the midst of our lives, we think of these great things that we have to do in order to make a difference. And listen, if you're called to do great things, and if you're going to get the opportunity, bless the name of the Lord, do the great things that God has called you to do. But more importantly, you need to be faithful in the little things that God has called you to do. You need to be faithful in those moments where everybody else is struggling and the car is full of chaos and they're all just worried about the wallet. You need to be realizing that God is faithful. If he did it before, he'll do it again. I almost when we found we actually found the wallet. We Lacey prayed and we found the wallet at the hotel. Man, she could have preached this sermon this morning. God is faithful. And God, God wants you to realize that you need to be faithful in the little things. Listen, I'm not saying what you're doing is little, but what I am saying is that God wants you to be faithful so that whenever you, are, you do the little things, maybe he's going to call you to even bigger things and even bigger things. You just have to continue to be faithful and make a difference. And what I love about this passage, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, is that these are verses that talk about how we can truly make a difference in this world. And notice he says, Jesus, when he's talking here, he doesn't say things like, oh, you have to go on national television and proclaim the name of Jesus. You have to do this. You have to do that. He gives us two simple metaphors, two simple things that we can do to make a difference. And we're going to talk about those here this morning. The first metaphor that Jesus gives us, and he gave to the people at the, on the sermon there in the Sermon on the Mount, he said that you are the salt of the earth. That to be a difference maker, you have to be the salt of the earth. Verse 13 of chapter 5 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is it if the salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, this is a very interesting metaphor that whenever I have read it in the past, sometimes I get really confused about why Jesus specifically used that metaphor of salt. And, and if you know anything about us as a church, we believe that everything is in the Bible for a purpose and on purpose. God never messes up or anything like that. So there's a reason why Jesus specifically used salt as a metaphor. And in order for us to truly understand what Jesus was talking about, we need to know about salt and the importance of salt in the ancient world. So today, and how many of you put salt on your food, right? You guys put salt on your food? Salt is a staple, and it it is considered a staple all around the world, but even more so, and even more importantly, in the ancient world, it was a staple. The reason why salt was a staple was because it performed two important functions. The first function that it did was it had seasoned food. How many of you use salt on your food? How many of you don't even have to try your food, and as soon as you get your food plate, you just start dumping salt on it? I know some people that would probably empty the the half of the salt shaker before they even try the food. It's meant to season food. It basically gave a bland food a distinctive taste that was easy to be able to ingest. The second thing that salt did, and this is probably one of the most important functions, especially in the ancient world because we really don't have to worry about it right now, is that salt preserved food. In the ancient world, they didn't have the the gift or the blessing of being able to have refrigerators or mat to be able to fix your refrigerator. They had to get the meat and they had to figure out a way to preserve the meat so that they could sustain their families over periods of time. And the reason how they did this is they, they used salt to help preserve the meat, to help preserve the food. So, salt seasoned and salt preserved. By Jesus using this metaphor, he was telling the listeners and us today, these are words for us today, that in order to make a difference in the world, we have to be the seasoning of this world and we also have to be the preservers of this world. Come on somebody. Let's break it down a little further. What do we mean by that? To be the season, season the seasoning, sorry, difference makers are to be distinctive from the world and not blend in. You need to be distinctive from the world let me ask you a question when people see you do they know that you're a Christian when people see you do they see Jesus working in and through you or do they just see somebody who just works at their work who uses the same language they use who does all the same things that they do as the salt of this world as Jesus says we have to be distinctive from this world We have to be distinctive. That way when people look at us, Michelle, they say, that's Michelle Lewis. She's a Christian. She's somebody who I know I can go to if I'm struggling with it. And if there's anybody in this church who knows, who needs to know this, that if you are struggling with something, if you're a senior, she wants to help you. That's called being the salt. That's called being distinctive. She's set set apart. What are you doing that is distinctive from everybody else? Or do you just do what everybody else does because everybody else is doing it? We are to be distinctive from this world. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, and I didn't have this on the screen, says this. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Christians are to be tasteful, they're to be useful, and participate in preventing the world from being overcome by evil. As seasoning, we need our talk and our actions to lead people to hunger and thirst after Christ. As seasoning, we need to be distinctive, unfortunately, especially recently, I feel as though some Christians have dropped the ball on this that instead of them being distinctive they 've chosen to blend in and they 're not leading people to hunger and thirst after the christ they 're questioning, well, what is hunger really anyway what what is it What is thirst why don 't we just take what everybody else is doing and, and blend in with everybody else. And because the world's doing this or because the world says this or because that, we just should probably do the same thing. And listen, I'm not saying that the church should, 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 it, should mold its ministry so that it can help to minister, but we should never waver on the foundations that have established this church. As the salt, we need to be distincti- distinctive, Brother Willie. We need to be distinctive, We need to not waver. There's too much wavering going on in the church nowadays. Too much wavering. And listen, I love everybody. Red, yellow, black, and white. Gay, lesbian, white. I love everybody. But we need to stand firm on the foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord. And listen, Jesus loves everybody. And we need to do our best to communicate that message to everybody. We need to be distinctive from that. What does it mean to be preservation? We need to be the difference makers that preserve the good news of Jesus Christ. In the world full, come on somebody, in a world full of bad news, we need some good news. Every time, listen, every time you turn on the news, and I used to have, and I've, I've told you this before, I used to have a habit of turning on the news before I went to bed, the worst decision I could possibly ever make. And I don't even know what news to watch anymore. Which one's telling the truth? We're constantly being bombarded by mass shooting this, violence this, Ukraine that, Joe Biden this, Trump that, Republicans this, Democrats that. We're constantly being bombarded by bad news. It's our job as Christians that in the midst of all that has taken place, we're to stand up on the good news of Jesus Christ, that even though the darkness may be surrounding us, Even though the darkness may be surrounding us, it's up to us to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Some of us get so caught up in the bad news, and oh, we want to talk about the bad news because we feel as though our opinion is important. Hey, listen, your opinion means nothing if it doesn't line up with what Jesus Christ says. I don't know if that's in the Sermon on the Mount or something, but... We need to be in the midst of all this strife and and all that kind of stuff. And and we need to be preaching that the good news is that though the sorrow may last for the night, there's joy coming in the morning. Come on, somebody. We need to be preaching that, you know what, victory is ours. We may be looking around and appear as though the church is on the defensive, but I came by to tell you here this morning that, listen, it's going to be coming a time here very soon where the church is about ready to be on the offensive. That doesn't mean you have to be offensive. As far as I know, Jesus never wielded a sword. We need to be proclaiming the good news in the face of all the bad news because every amount of bad news, and listen, it's so hard. I get it. I've been there. It's so hard to close off yourself from all the bad news. But we need to realize that there's a foundation of good news good news that we serve a risen king, good news that Satan and the evil powers of this world will be defeated, good news that peace is coming, good news that unity is coming, good news that Jesus is coming again. That's good news. And as, as, as the church and as the salt of this world, we're supposed to be the seasoning, but we're also to be the preservation of that good news in the midst of all the bad news and in the midst of all the things that people are telling us. It's important for us to stand firm, Brother Jason, on that good news. And listen, I tell the students all the time you can sit there and argue facts with somebody till you're red in the face. But one of the things you cannot, people cannot argue with, is your testimony. Sometimes the best news that you can tell somebody is the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life. Are you telling good news or are you caught up in the bad news? Difference makers preserve the good news in the face of adversity, and communicated anyway. That's what what they did all throughout the first century church. If you read through the New Testament, they were communicating the good news. In the face of literal death, they still kept communicating the good news. It's important for us to preach the good news. Unfortunately, though, and as this passage continues after he talks about the salt... Jesus says that there are too many many people, or at least I'm insinuating for that, that have lost their saltiness or have become too salty. We've lost our saltiness. How do we get that back? Instead of seasoning and, and preserving, we have become part of the pain. We've become salt in the wound. We've become salt in the wound, and this is a, a a thing that I read about salt here over this past week. And just listen, it says sodium is an extremely active element found naturally only in a combined form. It always links itself to another element, chlorine. Which, if you don't know anything about salt, it is sodium and chlorine, NaCl. I just gave you a science lesson. I didn't even do good in science at school. NaCl, chlorine, on the other hand, is a poisonous gas that gives bleach. It's offensive odor. When sodium and chlorine are combined, the result is sodium chloride or common table salt. The substance we use to preserve meat and bring out its flavor. Seasoning, preservation. Love and truth can be like sodium and chlorine. Love without truth is flighty, sometimes blind, willing to combine with other doctrines. On the other hand, truth by itself can be offensive, sometimes even poisonous spoken without love, it can turn people away from the gospel. When truth and love are combined in an individual or a church, however, being the salt, being the seasoning, being the preservation, being the love, being the truth, when they're combined in a church, then we could truly be the salt of the earth, and we're able to preserve and bring out the beauty of our faith. To be the salt of the earth, we have to be able to combine truth, and we have to be able to combine love. So often, people say, I want to speak the truth, but there's no love. Or vice versa. Some people want to give love, but there's no truth. As the church, as Lake Erie Church, or you as an individual person, you need to uh, figure out or establish how you can have a, a, a delicate balance between truth and love. Do you know how you can get a delicate balance? Read about Jesus. Jesus had a delicate balance between what truth and love We need to balance these two, because if we don't have an accurate or delicate balance of truth and love, our salt is worthless. It loses its saltiness. Communicate truth. I'm not telling you. I already said multiple times, stand on the foundation of God's word. Communicate truth, but you need to do it with love. Love. Because if you're constantly communicating truth, it's like you're constantly beating somebody over the head without offering them an ice pack. Is that a good metaphor? Somebody write that down. Quote that. we got to have an accurate and delicate balance of the two. Timothy Keller, who is a pastor in New York City, says this, that truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. Love without truth is sentimentality. Sorry, It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. As Christians, as the Church of God, as Lake Erie Church in your community, in your family, in your school, in your workplace, you need to have an accurate and delicate balance of truth and love. If you feel as though you don't, you need to check yourself and say, God, help me to balance those out. It's important for us to stand firm on the truth of God, but we need to do it with love. Enough about salt. The next metaphor that that Jesus gives us is that we are the light of this world. Verses 14 to 16 say this, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I love that. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. You want your good deeds to point people to Jesus, not to you. That's a little side nugget there so that your good deeds will praise the Heavenly Father. After talking about salt, Jesus then goes on to use the metaphor of light. Christians are the light of the world, which means that is our essential mission. As we are Christians, as we are going about in this world, our essential mission is to light up the darkness in which we go to. And I know I've shared this story multiple times. I'm going to keep telling you because it's it's a great illustration. When I was, right after I graduated high school, I went and worked in a factory. And I told Pastor Carson, I was like, Pastor Carson, I I thought God was calling me to ministry. I thought I was going to have a church of a thousand. I thought all this kind of stuff. And, And here I am having to go work in a factory. How many of you work in a factory? Hey, don't down factory work. You guys are awesome. Give it up for those who work in a factory. Sacrifice every day. I was like, Pastor Carson, I don't know how I'm supposed to communicate the message of Christ in this factory. I was working third shift, the graveyard shift, and when I walked into that workplace, it felt like a graveyard. Come on, somebody. I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this, and Pastor Carson said this, and it's one thing I'll never forget. He said, you may be the only light that will ever shine in that dark place. It's important for us In the world full of darkness, it's really easy for us to focus on all the darkness and ignore the fact that we are the light. We look at the darkness and say, when are the Democrats going to rescue us? When are the Republicans going to rescue us? When are they going to pass this law or that law? But Jesus said, you are the light of this world. In the midst of the darkness, you are the light of this world. You're to go everywhere you step. Every foot you take, every step that you take, where you're walking, in your families, in your in your in your households, in your workplaces, in your schools, you're bringing in the light of Jesus in the dark places. Start one. Want- stop looking around, f- asking everybody else to fix it. Jesus has called you to fix it. Just as light is or salt is essential in the world, so too is light. Isn't it interesting that God's first act in creation was to bring light into this world? And that once light was created, everything else followed in the creative order. Light is a ver- was a very common metaphor used all throughout the Bible. But what does it mean to be the light? As difference makers, we need to be shining the light of Christ in the dark world. The problem is that there's so much darkness that it's very hard to see the light is shining. It's very hard for us to see other people shining their light, and it causes us to, like he talks about, hide our light under a bushel. But let me just tell I want to show you something here this morning, if we can have some help. I want to show you, and I, I used this illustration with the youth group a couple of weeks ago. I want to show you how important it is for your light to shine. Go ahead, guys, if you can help me. If we can turn off that screen in the back. Thank you. This is a picture, I don't want to fall off this stage here, this is a picture of what the world would look like without any light. This is a picture of what the world would look like if there were no Christians in this world. This is a picture of what the world would look like if Jesus hadn't caused you or called you to be the light in the darkness. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, I wish it was really hard. I wish we could have blacked out all these windows, but we didn't have the time to do it. But in reality, sin is darker than this. And sometimes the world gets darker than this. And it's really hard right now to find your way around. Listen, I can see the shapes of your heads, but I can't make out your faces. And if you were giving me your hand, I wouldn't wouldn't be able to follow you around where you're going. So it is important for you to shine your light. This is what happens when you shine your light. Look at how much just one light shown in this room made a difference. Look at how much of a difference. Now I can actually see some of your faces. And if I did this, you could see my face and probably my imperfections. Katie will tell me later. You could see my face just from one light shining. You know what I love about the Gospels, and John especially talks about the light. And If you've ever, ever read through John's Gospel, a lot of what John talks about is a comparison between light and darkness. But he, he starts it off in John chapter 1 saying that no matter how much darkness there is, if the light shines, the darkness cannot overcome the light. What's the key, church, to letting your light shine? Let it shine. Let it shine. Yeah, go ahead. If you have a phone... Go ahead and light up your phone right now. You're allowed to use your phone in church. Look at this. In the dark room, come on. In the dark room, each individual phone represents a light. And you know what's awesome? You just got to let your light shine, let it shine. The world may be dark around us. The world may be uh, trying to close in around us. And, 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 it may, and you know what? The enemy may be thinking that the more darkness I send, I'm going to do everything I can to drown out the light. But let me just tell you that if you continue to let your light shine, the devil is a liar. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. When things happen in our lives, this is what we do. We put our light away. I don't know. I don't know if I can shine my light into that place I don't know if I, can, if I can do this or do that. I don't know. I don't know. And then we put our light away as if we're ashamed of our testimony. But Jesus said, you got to let your light shine. Put it on a hilltop so that everybody can see. Listen, your light, everybody put up your lights again. Your light is a representation of your story. And the work that Jesus has done in your life. And when I look at some of the lights and I know some of the stories that some of some of what you've been through, sometimes it's really hard to hold that light up. But listen, it's important for you to let your light shine. At the Lake Erie Church, we need to let our light shine. Keep those lights up, it's pretty cool looking. We need to let our light shine. I know there's an old song, Pastor Jerome, you can go ahead and come to the keys and the band You can get ready. There's an old song we used to sing when I was in school and and as a kid, and it's a song that I kind of want to share. I'm not going to sing it because it's not joyful noise unto the Lord. I'm going to recite the lyrics, and you can go ahead and sing it along with me, all right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. What's the next part? Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hey, this week, I decided with, between me and the Lord, I was able to do a little bit of an edit to the song. You want to hear my version of the song? Is that okay? Won't let Facebook blow it out. No. No. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Facebook blow it out. Won't let Twitter blow it out. And the opinions of people who are constantly against you. Won't let Facebook blow it out. No. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let inflation blow it out. No. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let gun violence blow it out. Let Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine, won't let racism blow it out. No, I'm gonna let it shine, won't let racism blow it out. No, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Ready for this one? Won't let division blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let gas prices blow it out. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Listen, you can substitute anything that you could possibly think of that's negative in your life. Won't let cancer blow it out. Won't let divorce blow it out. Won't let a broken home blow it out. All I have to say is that no matter what it is that you face in this life, you need to let your light shine. I think that some people need to hear this. You need to let your light shine. You need to let your light shine on a mountaintop because you have no idea how much of a difference you're making. It's impossible sometimes for us to see the image of the darkness around us. But I came to tell the enemy that his time is up. Oh, hey, because man. the Lake Erie Church, Pastor, we're going to let our light shine. We need to let our light shine. I'm losing my voice and I promised I wouldn't do that. alright. You got to let your light shine. Don't let anything blow out. Listen, that's a song we learn when we're a kid. Mm. And we seem to sing it with more faith when we were a kid than when we sing it right now. Jesus, Jesus. No matter what it is that you face no matter what it is that you go through and listen i'm not trying to belittle any situation that you may be facing or any situation that you've ever faced but what i am trying to tell you is that you serve a god who cares you serve a god who planted a light inside of you that he wants to do everything he can to show that light through you yes don't let the enemy blow out your light don't let the enemy take out your testimony You're making a difference. You're doing better than you think you are. You can go ahead and turn the lights back on. Thank you. You're doing better than you think you are. Your testimony matters. Let your light shine. We, listen, we need your light. Because in all reality, you're probably going to go places that we may never step foot. And those places may be surrounded by darkness. And if you choose to extinguish your light, you'll never make a difference. It's important for us as a church to say that no matter what happens in this community, no matter what history is surrounding this community, no matter what bad news we face, that we're going to choose and stand firm and allow the light of Jesus to shine in this community. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit LakeerieChurch.com.